The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button. As well, you can listen to old archive shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Hey, Scott. I know technically seeing you, but... Uh or non-technically seeing you. It's interesting because it, it wasn't until COVID-19 that I got to see you both in your pajamas. And I, if the listeners could see this, they'd love it. Has this been three months, Scott? I think it has, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, we're on week 13 now, week 13. Well, it's they are showing. opening things up, so maybe the studio might just open up or they might wait till September. What do you think? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? You know, one thing we do want to talk about, and with all of these benefits, or, or uh, I shouldn't say benefits, but uh, relief that's coming from the government in various forms and such, how concerned are you about us coming out the other end of this? And what kind of shape are we going to be in as far as debt? Yeah, this is something that's been on the headlines and on the forefront is talking about the looming consumer debt crisis. And, you know, this is this is something that is it's very hard to predict. And, you know, people are resilient, I think, a lot of times when it comes to, uh, you know, surviving through these types of things. But at the end of the day, our debt has been rising over the last 20 years. And to give you an example, back in 1999, so like 20 years ago, we owed $106 for every $100 of disposable income that we had. And, uh, you know, that in itself uh, is has been ris- risen to the last 20 years to now $176 per 100 or 176% debt-to-income ratio. And uh, the estimates now going forward is that could easily go to 230% because of... Um, you know, the denominator of income having gone down and uh, debt having gone up as a result of perhaps job losses or layoffs or reduced hours. And so, you know, it's kind of a double double whammy. Debt's gone up and income has gone down for many people. And we know that CERB has helped replace part of that. But at the end of the day, the average Canadian has an income of about $4,383 a month. So the CERB at two thousand a month isn't is not helping a lot of people. It might help them float, keep afloat right now, uh, but it's certainly not replacing the average person's income. And of course, the government knew that there needed to be an incentive for everyone to get back to work. But um, you know, and the savings rate is something else that has been part of this. The concern is the savings rate for the last ten years has gone down, and uh, you know we're. It's basically three dollars and sixty cents per hundred dollars that we earn. We're saving so around three percent, and uh, so that's at its lowest. Now, ironically, what happens in periods of uncertainty like this, and certainly if somebody loses a job, that they actually save more, and they're saving more because they're nervous and uh, certainly trying to make ends meet. Uh, they're spending less, and they tech, their saving actually goes up. Particularly if they go back to work, they felt vulnerable, and their saving will go up. But when we're looking at, um, uh, you know, the overall picture, whether someone's saving more or paying down debt, it's kind of the same thing because they're uh, they're helping their overall position. And um, 
So the other thing that was interesting is the number of women that this is affecting. And there's actually been a phrase being coined instead of a recession that we're in, it's calling us being called a she session. (laughs) And, um, and instead of a recovery, it's a she covery. And, and because of this, what's COVID-19, the pandemic has created it, it, by decree, it was a health crisis that turned into an economic crisis, but it had a real impact on the service industry, right? And uh, so whether it's salons or stylists, restaurants, tourism, they tend to be heavily female-dominated professions, and these are areas that have been really hit hard. So, um, you know, at the same time, if a woman wants to return to work, they need to have uh, solid childcare in place. If you, you can't return unless you, you know, there's a place for, for your kids to be taken care of. And so um, that's a whole other element to this recovery is how do we get people and child care back up and running so that everybody feels safe as well. So we've sort of, what's, you know, we sort of think at the same time we know that uh, low interest rates have also been part of the problem of rising debt. With low interest rates, people have been more comfortable taking on additional debt. And real estate prices, having gone up over the last number of years, has also encouraged people to get into the mar- into the real estate market, and mortgage debt has risen as well. Um, but, you know, as I said, the CERB is keeping many people afloat, and it ends after four months from when you started it. So if you started right on uh, March 15th, July 15th is going to be the big uh, drop-dead point at which that ends. And, um, you know, as the mortgage deferrals... That, are, that end, uh, once they end, we're going to really find out what sort of economic toll all of this has taken. And, um, you know, the, it, it, looking at those mortgage, um, those mortgage deferrals, it's interesting. CMHC, the Canadian Mortgage, Mortgage and Housing Corporation, has been tracking the deferral requests, and uh, it's sitting at around 12%. So about 12% of people with mortgages have asked for deferrals. Those are in place. Uh, now, the estimate, though, is that by September, once the sort of CERB has ended and everybody is uh, on their own, that that could rise to 20%. So one in five are asking for a deferral. So the other phrase that's been coined is a deferral cliff. And the deferral cliff is the point at which, uh, you know, the deferral ends and the money has to start being paid back. And uh, so... It's, you know, the, the question is, how do we get back to full wage levels and full employment levels and a recovery? <clears throat> and, I mean, a recovery will come. There's no doubt. I have no doubt about that. And people will be able to um, to get through this. There's going to be bankruptcies, I'm sure. Uh, and that's unfortunate. But, um, you know, the, 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 the truth is, is that when you think about the options, we'll talk a little bit about what, you know, what can you do to try and put something like bankruptcy off but the number one thing we don't want people to do is consider these payday loans you know we've talked about this before at 391 estimate to 652 percent interest rate uh the payday loan is the last thing you want to look at how is that legal andy pardon me how is that legal oh i know it's uh I, I'm shocked. I mean, it fills a gap, obviously, because people are still using it, and these people are still making money. And uh, so, to the extent that, that are from a federal, from a legislation standpoint, we're still allowing it. No one uh, seems ready to crack down on it because there's no alternative. Hmm. Um, so we need that. We need that consumer to come back for this recovery to 
to uh, get back full. Because in Canada, six, the, the Canadian economy is created, 60% of our economy is from the consumer, is generated by con- the consumer. So if we're saving more and spending less, that also slows down the recovery as well. So it may be a slow and drawn out recovery, but it, it, it will come. And, um, but maybe we might see more bankruptcies. Uh, there, was a res- there was a study done by MNP, the accounting office, said that uh, you know, 46% of Canadians are $200 away from insolvency. And uh, so a bill that came along for $200 or more, that puts you over the edge. Uh, that's not great. And in ni- 2019, the MNP report said that there were 137,000 insolvencies, which isn't a lot when you think about our, our population. But it was still an increase of 9.5% over 2018. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what those numbers look like in, in 2020, yeah. in fall particularly. So what can people do? I mean, the first thing to look at is cut expenses. You know, you, you really have to drill down and cut to the bone. You're trying to, to wait this thing out as long as possible. And, um, and the second thing is consolidating. If you do have loans, consolidate loans is a great strategy to be able to either negotiate a lower interest rate because interest rates have come down. Uh, and you can even ask for a lower interest rate on your existing debt. So uh, number one, cut expenses. Number two, consolidate any loans you've got. Number three, ask for interest rate reductions. And I like interest rate reductions because those are sort of permanent. They tend to sort of stay with your account. Um, You could look at refinancing. So this is, again, sort of consolidating debt and trying to refinance it into a lower lower, uh, interest rate. But there's often penalties to get out of an existing, perhaps, mortgage or loan. So you have to be careful and understand what that is. And you know, bankruptcy is something that uh, it is a, an option, but more popular these days is something they call a consumer proposal. And this is something where you would uh, you would deal with a licensed consumer proposal uh, business, and they would negotiate you paying a share of what you owe. So everybody sort of chips in and takes on some of the, the debt. Instead of getting nothing, somebody gets something. But bankruptcy stays with you for six years on your credit makes it difficult to get future credit as well. And uh, so it's definitely something worth avoiding. So I think that the, uh, you know, the, the, the real answer to this is that things are going to get better. The economy will recover and jobs will return. And the main thing is how to hang on and avoid either the deferral cliff or uh, a, a debt crisis where now are into a situation where you have to consider bankruptcy or um, a consumer proposal. So I know it's a lot of stress. This has added a lot of stress for people that are in this situation. There's no doubt about it. Um, it it's Sometimes the, the reaction is to bury your head in the sand and hope it'll all work out. Uh, but I think just take a couple of steps. Even you know, start with cutting expenses. That doesn't involve anything else except your own behavior. And then move through the other items to see, again, if you can negotiate anything with your uh, financial institutions. So we're going to make it. We'll all make it through this. But uh, recognizing that there, there is a lot of debt out there, and uh, this may be a lesson to get people to really rein in that debt as we go forward. As you come out of this, make yourself a promise that if you survive it, you won't end up in the same place again going forward. Well, the, the good news is 
is a lot of the, you know, just past week, uh, Ford opened up a few more services. So some of those female-dominated um, services, such as hairdressing, um, not unfortunately in our area, in Hamilton, Burlington area, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Brantford and, and more of the outskirts, a lot of those jobs are coming back. Exactly, so, it's coming. Yep. You know, whether it's a curbside or patio, um, there is jobs, and I had a few clients, uh, kids, actually been called back to their jobs now. So, you know, you, you, they may have just crested that, and uh, they may have been treading water for the last few months with this uh, curb, but the uh, nice thing is uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, as you mentioned, Andy, so at least now uh, you can get back and start to start paying back some of those bills that you may have paid, that you may have accumulated. And always, too, uh, you know, I, I think as the, we went down or we come down this curve, we're realizing that this is a slow, staged, kind of steady process, and it's going to take a bit longer than what we initially thought it did, perhaps. Absolutely. All right, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message, they'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're talking about the markets, your portfolio, especially during COVID-19. Yes, well, this past week... Uh, going back to Monday, I was looking at the, uh, where the markets were, and amazingly, the NASDAQ, which is the technology index of the U.S., posted a record-closing high. It had climbed 44.7% from its low, which was March 23rd, and is now posting a brand-new high watermark, if you will. And so I said, okay, well, that's the technologies like the Apples and the Amazons and Facebooks of the world. I wonder how the rest of the markets have done. So then you look at the Standard & Poor's 500. It is actually on that same Monday, it posted, it is now in positive ter- territory on the year. So how do you just, you know, put in, say, $10,000 on January the 1st of this year and basically didn't know anything that's going on? You are now in positive territory in spite of this whole COVID um, downturn which it dropped about 35% in that period and has, and has almost recovered. It hasn't gone right back to where the highs were. Um, the high watermark was February the 19th, and it is about 4.5% from its high. So it also has gone up. It went down about 34%, and it's just almost climbed its way back out of that hole in a period of a very short order. So you're only looking at April, May, June, so less than three months of time and again, you're hearing all the experts saying it's, uh, and we talked about this. Uh, go back to when, if you want to listen to some of our old shows, we talked about staying the course, possibly adding money back in March and certainly April, and, or spending less. Stop taking money out of your investments at time, if you can afford to. And, uh, you know, those people that listen to that advice um, have done very well, especially the ones that were able to add more money, because basically anything you added in that period of time has probably gone up about 20%. So um, great opportunity to buy, but not a great time to sell, obviously. Now, the Dow Jones, which also is another U.S. index, it's 
percent below its record high. And closer to home, the Toronto stock market went down about 34%, and it's about 11.2% below its record high right now. So things have climbed back, and it's and I know it's very difficult. And right now you're starting to hear, and I'm sure Andy's heard the same, about the, uh, the double dip potential. And you might have heard some of the, you know, that seems to be the news. And this, this was the exact same conversation that we heard back in 2008, 2009, when the market recovered, started going up. And I remember it was March 9, 2009, after it had gone down about 40%, it started to climb. And, and then as it was going up, that's what the news was talking about is, oh, it's going to go back down. So it didn't really. It had a couple of bad years along the way. But, you know, it, that's just the normal way of market. Any, that's just the normal day-to-day market anytime. So, you know, the media has a negative bias. And they do have to, you know, say the news or their opinion. But to the most part, it really affects people's wealth because they're going to start listening to the news feed and probably scare them to not add any more money at that time. The good news is, likely, at least our clients, uh, my clients particularly, and Andy's probably the same, is it, it, hasn't, uh, it made people not take money out. I think that's helped, right? Not, not, being, not touching it, you know, which we, uh, to the extent that people didn't need it. And I think that, you know, it's amazing how difficult it is to get comfortable putting money into the market when it's down. Which I find absolutely surprising because we're all old enough to have seen this all happen several times. It's so true. It's absolutely true. And yet, despite that, and, and history again and again proving that while markets go down in the short term, they always rise over the long term, that uh, somehow we think it's different this time. And it is so difficult to find the... Um, the strength, I guess, or the fortitude to to make the investment and uh, and add to your portfolio when it's down. That being said, it was interesting. A lot of the conversation was, "Wow, look at these gas prices! I should fill up." <laughs> that's right; they're cheap <laughs> because they're cheap. Mind you, there wasn't anywhere to really travel to, but that's besides the point. When the gas prices dropped, people wanted to fill up. But when their investment prices dropped, we didn't have a whole lot of people calling. Now, I did have a few, but I got to say, back in uh, late March, because. To your point, Andy, we've, and Scott, we've had a number of people go through this before. So they say, it's got to be a good time to buy now. So we did have a lot of those conversations, but not to the same extent of people filling up their cars with gas, put it that way. And so one analyst wrote, there's a confluence of four factors right now affecting the stock market. There's the pandemic itself. It's the, there's the shattered economy. There's the oil price collapse. And there's the U.S. federal response to it all these different things, and, he's, and, and he basically said it's making, it's making forecasting functionally impossible right now. Well, let's be honest. When was forecasting accurate in the first place? <laughs> okay. it's, it's been the most inaccurate form, and we do this all the time. We look at the forecast, uh, say January 1st, and then we look at what happened during the year. And generally speaking, um, to the most part, most of them are all wrong. I remember I did the, a show back at the end of last year, and I looked at five forecasts, and one was close in 2019. Most people had 2019 as a negative year, and one had a 6 to 7% increase on the year out of five forecasts, different companies, and it had, a, one of the best, it had the best year in seven years last year. So 
never look to your forecast on the year to dictate how your financial plan should should be. And really, at the at the end of the day, when they say it's impossible right now, well, the whole point of a financial plan is to look longer term. It's not to look, it's to look at the what's the forecast in the next decade or two decades. And when you start thinking in terms of decades, it's a lot easier to invest knowing that things will get better and the markets will rise and things will do very well. So it was interesting, uh, another, another quote from Ian Wilson, who I don't know who this person is, but I, it, it rang true. No amount of sophistication is going to allay the fact that all of your knowledge is about the past and all of your decisions are about the future, meaning we're trying to set up people's goals. And their long-term goals are generally, how do I pay off my mortgage? As Andy used to talk about consumer debt. Or how do we plan for retirement? How do we pass on our, our, our legacy to the next generation? How do we pay for a kid's education? These are all long-term goals. And I doubt that any of these goals have changed during this pandemic. These are close to our heart. These are things we want to accomplish. And regardless of what went on in the a pandemic, these are long-term goals. Now, I've got to say, um, if you were going to retire um, and you lost your job, possibly, um, and your income got interrupted, you may postpone your retirement. It makes sense because you weren't able to save enough. But as long as you're continued uh, able to keep working, and to the, if you're even better, if you're able to buy investments during that downturn, because now you, you weren't planning vacations, you couldn't do a lot, you're able to save that money, it actually helped your retirement because you took advantage of that dip. So at the end of the day, we do know that most people's portfolios need to have a good portion of their money in equities. There's no way around it. We, there's, you know, at the end of the day, you're looking at a lot of risks. And people look at risk and they think, okay, I don't want to lose my money. And that's the biggest risk uh, people often look at when they're investing money. Well, owning shares of Royal Bell Bank, Bell Canada, Apple Computer, you know, you name it, McDonald's, those are blue chip companies and they will go up and down in the short term, but they also protect you against inflation. They also pay dividends, which by the way, their dividend increases have doubled the inflation rate. And these dividends are passed on to the shareholders through a mutual fund or if you own the shares directly. So equities are the best way to accomplish your goals, but it does go without saying that it isn't a straight line. And we knew this going in. We planned for it. We know it's not going to be a straight line. And we anticipate it. We, we also have different investments. That's why you have a certain amount of your money in cash or fixed income in case there's a downturn. Or we also withdraw less. And I, I did have a lot of our clients during this downturn. And it, not to say it's over. We could still be right in the middle of it. Nobody really knows. But we do know that it wasn't a great time to take money out. It was a great time to add while it was cheaper. That's all we know. We didn't know how much cheaper it was going to get. So by doing that, it makes it a lot easier. So it's, the whole idea of, and Andy mentioned it, this time it's different, never makes sense. Because we've gone through, well, we both started, uh, I started in 85, and I think you're in 1984, Andy, if I'm correct. Correct, correct. Yes. So we've seen the 1987, uh, 92, the tech meltdown, the Y2K, um, 0809, and now uh, this one, and I'm sure there's a couple I missed in there, Andy. I don't know if things come to you. There was the uh, remember the Russian um, 
bond crisis. There was a Russian bond crisis. There was also a 9-11. There oh, was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Asian flu. Yeah, there's been a, a ongoing. Well, and it's interesting, you know, we we're talking about the second wave and does this really uh, is what sort of setting people up to worry about this next, the next thing to worry about, the second phase. And and I was, you know, a couple of months ago, I mentioned on the radio that uh, that was a big concern I had. But now as time has unfolded and we sort of see a better, we have a better understanding of the coronavirus and how to manage it. I think as somebody described it, it may end up something like tuberculosis, where it's around for a long time, but um, we have the capacity to treat it and uh, and deal with it. And it's interesting, when you look at investing, it's, it's not an exact science. And we're speaking with somebody like an engineer or somebody that's very methodical and they're, and they're trying to invest money for the long term. This Investing isn't a problem to be solved. It's a discipline to be practiced. And this is where having a financial planner to make sure you keep to your discipline is extremely important and make sure you have a financial plan. Past performance is they often think past performances are directly correlated to future results, when in fact it's totally random. So when we, we've talked about this before, when you look at which country is going to do the best next, uh, next year or which um, mutual fund was going to have the best, uh, has the most stars, is the one you should invest in. It's quite interesting. Those Morningstar five-star rated funds often are one-star rated funds the following year because at the end of the day, they end up averaging very close to each other. So if you happen to buy a five-star fund, you're generally spending more money. It's just expensive at that time. And therefore, when it does go down, you're not going to get as good a return. Um, superior past performance leads to investment success is often the thought. Therefore, while well, this fund's done this or this stock has done that, the number one Behave, the one, number one um, indicator of success when it comes to investing is behavior. That is the number one reason people do well or fail, is on their behavior during times like we just went through. And so when you see uh, the market go down, what did you do? Well, we do know so far this year in the U.S., $1.8 trillion, with a T, was put into savings accounts so far right till the end of May. So instead of investing that money, it was put on the sidelines. And so there's, that's, this behavior is consistent through every crisis that Andy and I have gone through. So one way to look at this is you look at, say, okay, look at your lifetime goal as your destination, and you're going to drive a car. So where are you going to go? Well, let's say it's to retire comfortably for the rest of my life. That's your goal. So you're driving this car to this destination. Your financial plan is your ch- body and is your, the chassis of the car. The mix of equities and fixed income, or known as your portfolio, that's the engine. That engine determines just how far that car can go and how fast it can go. So that portfolio mix is very important. Uh, Now, really, behavior, as we just talked about, is the driver of this car. You You might go off the rails if you don't have the right behavior and may not get to your goal. And really, since I'm I'm really professionally responsible for my client's behavior, I'm going to be the driver. And I'm going to keep this car going in the right direction. Now, funny enough, if I'm the driver, my mix of equities and fixed income real estate is what I've determined for, and that's your engine. Well, when you start getting further down, so should I get an ABC Canadian small cap fund 
or should I get the Royal Bank Canadian, or should I get the CIBC or the Investors Group or the McKinsey Group? These are all manufacturers of, say, a small-cap Canadian fund. To be honest, that would be simply like a hood ornament for the car. You can look at it. It looks nice, but it doesn't do anything for your car. It has very little impact. So what you need to do is make sure your financial plan has the right plan to be gone, because that's the chassis. That's, that's the foundation. That's what's going to, so you can sit in something and be driven. Then you need to make sure that the driver being either yourself, if you're doing it yourself, or if you're paying for a financial planner, is giving you the right behavioral advice. And I know I've talked to a few people doing it themselves, in fact, two in the last uh, month. Both of them sold during this time, looking for a better time to get in. And right now, I talked to the same person last week, and he now knows that if it went up another 3%, the market, he was now, it lost, he lost all that gain he made. And so as of now, he's lost that, and uh, he's now wondering, when should I get back in? Because he didn't have that person holding him to, uh, here's what you should do. And I actually told him I wouldn't have gotten out, and none, I, I haven't had one client get out. And I'm sure you, you're in the same boat, Andy. Yeah, one, one person that had to get out. They were, they were worried about buying a home in the next uh, year, so they wanted the money out. Okay. I, so far, I was fortunate I didn't have any. Well, but you know, at least with buying the home, I guess you can give the nod because they had a goal in mind. But it just seems odd to go to all of this effort, whether it's to have people like you looking after it, and then do that because it never works. It, it amazes me that people that take the time to, to, to invest in something like this would, would, would react so knee-jerkly. It, it just it, it, it amazes me. Yeah, and, and this is where having a financial planner increases a person's net worth by at least 1.6 times, at least. And because it's behavior, making sure people make the right decisions, and that's where we're the driver of the car, we create the engine for you. We have a nice plan, being the chassis of the car and the, and the whole car itself. And all the little decorative things of which funds we use and so forth, they have some bearing on it, but not a lot. And really, they're more figure pieces like a, and, and hood ornaments than they are really doing anything better than that. So make sure, for the clients listening today, make sure that... You, you know, you have a good driver of your car. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message, they'll return your call, and don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows as well ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to talk about selling your home and moving into a retirement home. Yeah, this is something, you know, having done this for 35 years, the nice thing is is that uh, we get to see clients move through all stages of their financial life. And in this case, um, Mary, who was 88 years old and, uh, and single, never married, uh, a retired school teacher, she, um, she was ready to sell her home and, uh, and move into a lovely retirement home. 
And uh, so she's still very capable and independent and, in fact, uh, was considering giving up her car, but she'll probably keep it for another year or two. But uh, So the main goals for her in this whole process was to be able to maintain her standard of living and um, make her money last for the remainder of her life, minimize her estate taxes, and also minimize her annual taxes along the way. And so, and I mentioned she was 88 years old, but um, when we were looking at life expectancy, uh, she had some aunts and uh, her mother all lived to their late 90s. And so it was a really tough discussion, but I was, in in her goal of trying to make sure that she doesn't outlive this money and is able to stay in a comfortable residence for the rest of her life, she actually asked me to run the plan out to age 110. Oh, wow. So 22 years. And uh, so I thought, well, that's fair enough. Let's, let's look at what would happen. It, you never know, right? And so with her income right now, she was in about a 35% marginal tax bracket. And her monthly expenses were going to be, uh, the retirement home rent was going to be 5840 a month. We are allowing for $400 a month of personal expenses. So these would be like little side trips, things like that. Uh, She had an existing health plan, which was $345 a month. And also a life insurance policy in place for $150,000, which she was paying, uh, this was a term to $100, paying $610 a month for that. So a total of around $7,200 a month after taxes are going to be her uh, income needs. And then we have to increase that by at least 3% for inflation. So she needs about $86,000, $87,000 a year. And she gets some teacher's pension, Canada pension plan, old age security, and RIF. And after tax, that's about four grand a month. So she had a shortfall of $4,200 a month. Sorry, $3,200 a month. And um, now the house proceeds after after selling costs, et cetera, were $860,000. And so a couple of quick things we needed to look at was, and, and oh, in terms of her net worth, she had about 30000 in a RIF still, 80000 in her tax-free savings account, and non-registered investments, which were in an alter-ego trust. I'm not going to get into that, but that's a great strategy for her, minimizing estate tax, but 200000 there. So her net worth was $1,170,000. So um, she actually had an investment loan that she started about 20 years ago in her 60s, and it was still owed about 26000 on it, but that's where the 200000 came from that she built up. So that had worked out well for her. So we're going to pay that off, uh, top up her TFSA, and then invest the house proceeds, uh, uh, about 800000 That was the goal. And then uh, the remaining cash, about 30000 would just be left in her bank account for a slush and uh, fund money. So we started thinking about the different options, and I kind of, you know, the first place you think of it with an 88-year-old, well, maybe we should be conservative. Something like GICs, Guaranteed Investment Certificates, Fixed Income Investments, so 100% sort of low volatility. And uh, we looked at that option, and certainly there's, you know, it's a low cost, but very low rate of return after tax. And we actually started to see a sh- uh, significant shortfalls if she lived to 105. So anything beyond 105, she was starting to run into trouble. The second option I looked at was using an insurance product, a, a guaranteed investment fund. Uh, and while that made sense from a safety standpoint, again, uh, it's a little more costly than a regular investment, plus the returns after inflation wouldn't quite get us to where we want to go. 
So in asking her, and then we looked at three other options with increasing amounts of equity or stock in the mix, and um, she actually picked the one which was 70% equity and 30% fixed income. And we set up something called a return of capital. And in this feature, she was taking about uh, uh, 8% a year from the portfolio. And that would be tax-free for her for the next 13 years, so up to age 101. And although it has higher volatility, the actual after-tax, by in terms of being able to deduct expenses, etc., worked out to be uh, medium to lower cost than a couple of the other options we looked at as well. And so at the end of the day, in trying to decide how to invest the portfolio, the main thing we did is looked at running out of money risk. That's the Monte Carlo analysis. And in every case, they all worked out. But uh, the volatility was higher as you increase the amount of stocks, but also her estate was higher on an after-tax basis. And so when we looked at the difference between option one, which was GICs, at age 100, she, her net worth basically stayed the same at $1.1 million. But of course, inflation would have eroded that. With option uh, four, the, the more aggressive one that she took, it would be about $1.6 million. So a difference of about 500000 over the next 13 years. So, And even in, in a situation where we've seen what's happened, as Don talked about market volatility, we've still maintained her income payouts. And uh, without risk, we rerun our Monte Carlo analysis, and she's still on track to be 100% confident about uh, not running out of money uh, right through to age 110. Wow. We can only hope. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth, sir, uh, Private Wealth Management. You can call now, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there or ask a question via the listener inquiry button. All right, lots of chatter about summer vacation and what we're all going to do. No one really wants to travel, but everyone wants to get out. So, staycation? Yeah, staycation will be the, definitely the word of the day this year. Uh, you know, the average vacation a, a Canadian spends is for a week's vacation is about $3,000. So now, there's $3,000 burning the hole in a lot of people's pockets right now. Because they had generally said, okay, this is our normal summer vacation. We take the kids or we, or we travel to the States or what have you. And they rent a cottage or they, or they do other people's cottages and just uh, bring lots of gifts. I don't know what they do. But anyway, at the end of the day, you know, the cruises are canceled, the flights are canceled. So now, what do you do instead? So I went to a bunch of different websites, some great ideas. The first one I came across is be a tourist in your own city. And there are so many things in your own city that you often don't even know about. And people uh, travel from all over to get to our cities, and they seem to know a lot more about our cities than we do. So whether it's bike trails or history tours, uh, you can hit different restaurants and maybe the restaurants that were built in the 60s and 50s and see what they're doing now. Uh, You know, hiking and biking, there's so many different things 
in every different city. And, of course, they don't cost a whole lot of money either. Then you can rediscover camping. Uh, they did just open up last past week. The camp, camping is now open. I don't know the rules yet about that. But if you're not into camping, maybe you want to consider glamping, glamorous camping. And RV sales and rentals are up tremendously right now. I heard a number of 1,000%, but even if it was double, it's, it's an, a massive increase because people do want to still do things. And what a great way to see our own province. Um, if, if you can go to other provinces, great. Uh, there seems to be some quarantine uh, issues still with that. But you know what? If you, you don't have to rough it. You know, if you were going to spend four or $500 a night in a hotel, spend it, uh, spend it differently and rent an RV and have a different type of trip. And you know what? I've even seen uh, my neighbor across the street is camping in his own backyard. And the kids love it. It's, uh, you know, nice thing is in the middle of the night, they can always go home. <laughs> they, they can't have a fit and stay and have to stay there or drive them back from the campsite. So you know, that's another option. And usually the bugs are better. <laughs> Less bugs. Um, take up a new hobby. So many people are taking up new hobbies right now. Uh, cycling is one. I heard inner tube sales are up 400%. People are doing more photography. There's, I know we bought two bird feeders. And these things, uh, I don't, when people say they eat like birds, that, I always thought that did, I meant not very much. These things eat a ton. So <laughs> we've gone through. Better refill it every day, Don, every day. Every, you have one too, Andy? You signed up, you've signed up for it now, buddy. Oh, man, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, gardening is coming back. You know, trying out your hand at gardening, and because if you're going to stay home, you got lots of things to try. Art. We already. I know a lot of people already went through the whole puzzle thing, but even trying new cooking and different barbecuing or what have you. Lots of different ways, and why not uh, make the best of the situation we're in? Now, number four was really clean out that house of yours. We've always said one of these days I'm going to do a cleaning. Well, you can't get a better time than now to do that cleaning. And, you know, with the big, bo- you know, the boxes and blue boxes and what have you, I know I, I've been at a hoarder myself, and I have filled a blue box many times over in putting old papers that we don't really need anymore. Um, even old tax returns, shred them. If they're over seven years old, you can get rid of some of those. Uh, what it, or at least you can take pictures of them and just put them on uh, digital. You don't need all the paper. Now, a lot of people just... Why don't you just keep working? If you're not going to have fun, go stay working if you're employed. Pay off some of your debts. And that will give you even a better vacation next year when things do open up. And I did talk to one client, and his employer has offered to take away a week of their vacation because they don't want all these employees to go on vacation at the same time now. And so in, in lieu of that week, they're going to rent a resort for them for a week. And so, therefore, they lose a week's vacation, but they end up with a resort the employer is happy because they have their employee working there. So maybe you may want to give them that suggestion. Uh, and you can try a local Airbnb, and, of course, you've got to make sure it's clean. And enjoy your own home. A lot of people have put swimming pools and decks and all these different things to make their house nice, but then they never spend a whole lot of time there. Well, here's that chance to do it and maybe get some new lawn furniture, a little paint. You know, I'm sure that job jar you've been saying, well, save for retirement, well, maybe it's this summer. <laughs> do a bunch of it this time. And you can take drives. I, I encourage my mother to go driving because you still got to drive that car to keep that battery charged, as she found out. 
And so even take drives to a local bakery or maybe a fruit stand. So just get out there and see the countryside. And one last one was uh, here drive-in theaters. Movie theaters are coming back. And here's that opportunity to go visit that drive-in movie theater, stay in your car, your physical distancing, and check out, uh, I'm not sure what the flick will be, because I know they've canceled a lot of the movies, but it might be... I think it's Star Wars. Can I hide in your trunk? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Don's going to the big beach blanket bingo doubleheader going on at the drive-in. All right. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry. Button. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Thank you. Thank Scott. you very much, Scott. Take care, everybody. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.